0: Praise and Worship is a community of people in Branson, Missouri, who are gathering, growing, being encouraged, and sharing with others the love and hope of Jesus. Learn more online at branson.church. So we mentioned that as we're talking about Ruth and we're seeing this story unfold, um, I always remember when I was a kid. I went to well, when I was a kid. Well, I was yeah. You know, we were Debbie and I had just met. We were very young, um, and and so we I went to we went to church. Yeah, that's what geeks do. Yeah? We went to church, or oh, it's also what Jesus followers do. But I went to her church, and imagine my surprise as we go into there, and the preacher starts to preach, and he says we're going to preach today on the book of Ruth, and he goes the first thing I want you to do is cross out the word Ruth and write Naomi because I want you to call it the book of Naomi. And I was like, really? That's kind of an interesting thing. And and the reason he wanted us to see this is that God worked through Naomi to do what was going to happen to Ruth, to to bring Ruth to Bethlehem. If it wasn't for Naomi, Ruth would never have been in Bethlehem. And if Ruth wasn't ever in Bethlehem, King David would never have been born. And if King David was never born, there would be no Jesus and all of us would be dead in our sins. And it was an interesting twist. I was like, well, that's interesting. The book of Naomi, yeah. But the reason we see Ruth as the book of Ruth is because in Matthew chapter one, when they're giving the genealogy of Jesus, and they're listing all these dudes in the, in the genealogy, there's every once in a while, there are a couple of ladies mentioned. And in this case, Ruth and Rahab. Rahab was... was the descendant of Boaz or the uh, the ancestor of Boaz like his grandma and so and, or his mom actually and so Boaz's mom was Rahab who was a prostitute who helped the spies get into Jericho and Ruth is the great grandmother of King David and so you have these two women who are both outsiders they don't fit anyone's categories of a righteous person or any of those kinds of things and yet God chose on purpose to work through them, all because of Naomi. Isn't that interesting? At least in the case of Ruth. And so, th- this way it interesting. Should we call it the book of Naomi? Well, we're gonna go with Ruth, and here's why. Because in today's story, it's Ruth who has to make some decisions. And she is saying, well, should I do what Naomi said, and should I go to the threshing floor? And just so we're all clear, the threshing floor was like the center of town, because this is where, you know, you had, when you would bring in all the harvest, you had to separate the wheat from kind of the chaff that was around it. And so you, what they did is there was a variety of techniques at different times. But around this time, they basically, you, they threshed the wheat right there. And they would go around. They did sometimes there were dances. Sometimes they used the, the oxen. There was all kinds of different ways to do it. But everyone would gather there while they were doing this activity. And so it was like the center of town. It was an open air. It wasn't like a barn or anything. It was open right? And, and so there's was, was usually a circle. We've discovered several of them in the Holy Land. And some of you who have been there, have seen some threshing floors. And so it's this big kind of circular area, very flat, a place where you could do this. And Naomi says, I want you to go down on the threshing floor, wait till Boaz has had a lot to eat and drink, and then, you know, just kind of lay down with him. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like in our culture, it's like, hey, Boaz is going to have his 57 Chevy there, go ahead and climb in the back seat with him when it gets late. I mean, that's what you'd be like, well, what, what else is, are we supposed to expect? And this is what's going on in the story, and, 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 and you're sitting there, it's like, is this supposed to be in the Bible? I don't know if that's supposed to be there. Let's take a look at this. Ruth chapter three, verse one. Now, anytime you see this where it says MLV, that's Mark's translation, and when it's out of Hebrew, it took me twice as long, so you need to really appreciate it. So, so that's a joke, by the way. Um, one, day, one day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to Ruth, my daughter, should I not seek a resting place? It's the Hebrew word Manoah, which is this, it's, it's, you know, yes, it would be an aphorism to kind of say your home, a place to settle down, that, that would work, but she's like, it's, it's time, we, we've been back from Moab, we're in Bethlehem, you're kinda, you're learning, you're know, getting to know some people, it's time for you to settle down. That's what Naomi's saying to Ruth, it's time. And this resting place, which is this place where it'll be good, this place where you can call home. And, and, and for us, I, I hope that you can see there's a beauty in this statement by Naomi. So many Christians will have this language like, I'm just waiting for God to open a door. Well, that might be a while, because that's not how God works, not in the Bible. He'll, he'll come along and every once in a while he'll give people a kick in the pants, and, and I've had a few of my own, trust me, I could tell you stories. But the point is, is that, is that stop waiting and let's go do something. Um, Lou, you're gonna have to help me because I'm gonna remember the friends you said, but I remember there was this phrase that he was talking about his friends, just do something, and if it's wrong, God will make it right. I, I love that language. That, that captures the story of Ruth chapter 3. Just do something. If it's wrong, and we can read Ruth chapter 3 and go, ooh, that kind of looked wrong. He made it right. He like got into Boaz, and like, Boaz, you need to be a gentleman. This is Ruth. She is special. And God's spirit led Boaz to make, ultimately we know this to be true, we're gonna see it unfold in chapter four. The idea is, is that no matter what happens, stop waiting for a door to open. So if you're sitting there in your life and you're like, I don't know, just, just go and let God do the guiding, let him do the directing. Um, God is go with just a D added on, right? That's, that's what it's time to do. And because of that, let's look at verse 11 because what happens when you say okay i'm gonna go you recognize there's risk involved with this just like they did and sometimes that produces fear okay i don't know if anybody here is about ready to do something and it produces fear right so take a look at this he, this is boaz talking he says now my daughter don't be afraid you know she's in the back of the 57 chevy i mean the threshing floor with him and and you know she knows that in that culture this is what normally happens and he's like, don't be afraid. I'll do whatever. I'll do for you whatever you ask. But look at what he says. He goes, all my fellow townsmen know that you're a woman of noble character. He's like, this isn't going to go the way you think it's going to go. I'm a gentleman, and you're a woman of noble character. So what, let's wait till morning, and let's find out about getting married. That's basically what he's saying in, in short form. Let's do this the right way. Let's do this the right way. So when you're afraid... Listen to God. You're, you, you, sometimes you'll be like, well, if I just took matters in my own hands, I could take care of this. And there's many stories in the Bible about that. Think of Abraham and Moses and you know, on the list could go. You know, Just take matters in your own hands. No, 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 no. When you're afraid, listen to God. How do you listen to God? Does he like call you? Does he send you an email? I've prayed for the Lord to send me emails many times. He's never done it. What he did do is he sent you a really big download, right? This is what it is: a PDF file called the Bible, and it's got everything in it, right? And 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 it's this love letter. Ruth is a love letter. Genesis is a love letter. The Gospel of John is a love letter. Genesis to Revelation is a love letter. Listen to what he says in the love letter. Listen to his voice. And see what's interesting, it's not about just like you, know, I can put my nose down to the book and I can read it like, nah, 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 that doesn't have anything to do with me. No, listen, right? He's talking to you right now. I know I'm just a Yehu, but he uses Yahoos. We're going to see this. He used Naomi. She didn't have a great idea and he used her. He uses Yahoo. He like specializes in using Yahoos. This is like what he loves to do. And so when you're afraid, listen to God, dive into his word and then involve yourself with the church, with people where they gather. And listen to what's going on. The Lord will speak to you through his people by way of his word. His word will come out and come alive. And this is what, you know, Boaz said it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. He said that to Ruth. God is saying that to you. Don't be afraid. But, you know, let's not, let's not do this wrong. Let's do it right. Take a look at verses 12 and 13. Now, this is a lot of people will say to me, you know, God's mad at me. He, he, he hurt me. He did this to me. He did that to me. And, and yes, you could say God does do, do things to you, but I'm going to argue that God doesn't do things to you. He does things through you. This is how God works. And so, yeah, you could say he does things like he saves you. You could say that he did that to you. And I understand that, but, but that's not usually what we mean when we say this. God did something to me. He hurt me. We're like Naomi was in Ruth chapter 1. She said, Don't call me Naomi. Call me bitter. Because the Lord has afflicted me. That was her feeling. And we said that's an honest feeling, which the Lord kept in the scripture for you and for me. That's the honest feeling. We will sometimes feel like the Lord has afflicted us. Look at verses 12 and 13. Let's see what happens. Although it is true, Boaz says, that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. In other words, he's bringing in... This this cultural practice which came from the old test came from the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, and and this idea that there would be there's people in your family that take care of you when bad things happen, right? And so he's saying there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I means there's someone closer to you in relation. Okay? And if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. Okay? But if he's not willing, look at what Boaz says. If he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. See, Ruth could say, where is this living God that you guys proclaim? And the answer is, he's standing right in front of her. And I know you're like, no, Mark, that's Boaz. And I would be like, yes, and God worked through Boaz. And God worked through every person in this room, and he worked through every person in your life, and he worked through every person you ever met to bring you to this moment so that you would hear these words every day of your life is preparation for the next day the things that happen we don't understand them and was what we talked about last week we, we try to see through reality through the life that we live and we're like oh maybe God's doing this and maybe God's doing that and sometimes we might get glimpses and sometimes the Lord will go out of his way to reveal to you as we see to some of the folks in the scriptures but most of the time we don't understand we're like Naomi most of us are in Naomi's position I feel like the Lord has afflicted me she did not know she could not know that her descendant would be Jesus Christ. She did not know, she could not know that her descendant was the savior of the universe. She had no idea. And now that Boaz is talking to Ruth, he doesn't know that either. He just knows that he loves Yahweh, that is the Lord, and he loves Ruth. And he goes, look, here's the deal. We're going to do this right. We're going to do this the Lord's way. If the kinsman and the redeemer takes care of it, great. If not, I will do it. God doesn't do things to you. God does things through you. Take a look at Acts 17. This is our other reading for today. And again, the MLV is there, so watch out. This is the thing because a lot of times you're like, well, why? This is our question. We're like, why? Why do all these things happen? What is his purpose? And Paul teaches us, as he's teaching the people in the Areopagus, God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, exclamation point. He himself, gives everyone life and breath and what? Everything. Everything. So if you're sitting there going, I don't think God likes me, and as soon as you get done saying that, you take another breath, that proves you wrong. (laughs) Every breath you breathe is a gift from him. And he gives you that breath for a purpose that we're gonna see, but the point is he wants you in his life. He has done everything for you. The whole story, that that we were talking about this a few weeks ago, we gotta say it again. You know, there was this big poll online, you know how they do these these surveys on social media. And the question was, what is the Bible about? And then they put in their hint, not about you. And I just immediately started squirming in my seat. Because I knew what they meant. They were trying to say, it's about God. And I would say, well, let's be more specific. It's about Jesus, the Son of God. For God so loved the world, That he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So if that is the whole Bible in a sentence, which I would argue that's a very good way to say that, then that means that the Bible is about God for you. It's about Jesus for you, sent to give his life for you. And so he doesn't need us, but he wants us. And he gave up everything to save us, to redeem us, to bring us home. And so when you see this, he goes, you know, this is why when, when, we, when we start to listen to the devil and our sin and the world, and we start to listen to all these lies, we're like, well, I need to be good or God won't like me. And then we take another breath, not realizing that that, gift, that breath is a gift from him. And all of these things, the life and the breath and everything. See, it's like, I'm free to pray for the chiefs to win today because... It's part of everything, right? Now, my friends who are Titans fans would be like, "Um, wait about us, and I would say yes, let's let let the Lord work that out, but the point is this, see, it sets us free. We can enjoy life, and some of you guys are like, I'm not into football, so whatever you're into, you're free to pray for that, right? Whatever it is, wherever you are, this is why we are free to do what we do in our lives, because he gives us life and breath and everything. Take a look at verse 26. Because ultimately, guys, it was God who took the risk. From one man, Paul tells the people there, he made every nation of men, all the people of the earth, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. I'm asking you to think about this. Have you ever wondered why you're at where you're at right now? Have you ever wondered how you got there? Like, what were the things that led you to where you're at right now? Because the answer is up on the screen right there, Acts 17, 26. It was him. And sometimes when we look at this, we're in a moment in our life where this does not feel like good news. I understand that. Then we feel like Naomi. Well, if that's true, then God has afflicted me. But what was God doing? Did, he, did God move into the town and kill Elimelech and the two boys? No, he didn't kill them. But when the world in its brokenness took them, he was there by Naomi's side working. And he was working to bring this to bear, to move her back to Bethlehem. You remember from Ruth chapter one, she, it says that she heard the Lord had helped his people in Bethlehem. So she went back. He brought her back and Ruth came with her. And through this twist of events, remember what we saw last week, it just so happened that Ruth went to Boaz's field. There's no such thing as luck or coincidence. Those are words we invent to try to deal with the chaos of our world in the midst of the fact that it's also a world of order. Because through the chaos, God doesn't do things to us, he does things through us so that we would live. Take a look at verse 27, look what he does. Here's the so that. God did all of this so that they would seek him. He wants you to have those moments in your life where it causes your eyes to, to go up. You ever have those where your eyebrows go up a little bit? This little moment. And it's like you can't even tell other people because you'd have to talk for three hours to help them understand no, that story of my life, right? And so, that was a joke, that you're supposed to laugh at that. But anyway, that's, I'm sorry. The idea here is that, is that you, it's hard to explain. You're like, I think he did that for me. Like he did that little thing for me and no one else would even get it, but I got it. Um, I always tell the story about how I I decided finally that I was going to listen to God and go to seminary after about two decades of running from him. And like Jonah, you can't outrun God. I discovered this. Thankfully, there was no large whale involved. But... um, but what there was involved for me was algebra, which is like a large whale. And I, I, had, I had dropped out of college early on when I was young because I was really good at computers. I was an IT guy, and like, I knew more than my professors because this was in the early 90s when the internet was coming online as we know it now, and all those things were happening. And, and like, I was just such a geek. I was into it more than they were. And so I quickly got a job, and I didn't need to pass algebra. So then when it comes time for Mark to go to seminary, and I'm sitting in the admissions office, and they're like, oh, but you never finished college algebra, and that's a requirement. I'm like, can we just pretend that I did? Because Mark's not exactly good at at math. And so long story short, I'm at the end of my algebra class, and I'm thinking to myself, there's no way there's no way I've passed this class. And the professor comes in and he's, he is red in the face. He holds up the tests in his hand. He's like, who? What? This is the worst performance I've ever seen. And, he's, and he writes 91 on the board and then he goes, dot, 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 and he goes 69. There was only one A out of all the tests and all the rest of them were 69 or lower. And I just sunk down in my chair. I'm like, I'm going to fail the class. There's no way I'm going to go to seminary. The Lord actually the whole time didn't want me to do it. And then about that time, he starts passing out the test, and he throws the 91 on my desk. You guys need to know, I didn't get the 91. No way. No way. It was at that moment, he was saying to me, let's do this thing. Let's do this thing. I will be with you no matter what. And I know that story is silly, and I don't care. Because it shows how God works in our lives. And I know each of you could come up and tell a silly story like that. This little moment when you're like, I didn't do that. He did that. God did this so that people would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. I used to teach a class when I was an IT guy called not searching, but finding, right? It was like, you know, anybody can go on Google and type it in, but you don't find anything, right? It's not about searching, it's about finding. And finding him, though he is not far from each one of us. In fact, he is the closest one in your life. And I know we don't always feel that way, but today my prayer is that you would feel that that you would know his love for you, that he has literally arranged the universe for you. The scripture says it. The scripture declares to you and proclaims to you that he has arranged the universe so that you would know his love, that you would know how much he has done for you and how much he will do through you for all the other people that don't know him yet. And I will hope that you will see that he is inviting us to join him in what he is all ready, doing. This is what it means to take risk. If you have a risk that you're ready to take, just go ahead and take it, because whether it's right or wrong, he'll make it right. And whether you go up or down, he'll be with you on all the paths. And whether it's a 91 or a 69, remember a couple weeks ago, I told you about a 43, I got on a different test like Hebrew. The whole point is this, no matter whether it's good, bad, or ugly, take it, go for it. He has promised to be with you no matter what. Let's pray about that. Father, we ask you boldly that you would hear our prayer. Many of us face great confusion in our life. We face anxiety, we face the idea of taking risks. Lord, help us know that you're in all of it with us and that you have arranged all aspects of our lives. You've determined the exact times and places we should live. Yes, we have quote-unquote free will, but what we really do is mess things up with our free will, and so you're there helping us each step of the way and somehow using the chaos of our brokenness and working through that chaos to arrange this world where people could come to know your love. I pray that everyone in this room knows your love and that everyone who hears these words will believe that you love them and that everyone will know of your love when they look at the cross and they see you on the cross, the Son of God, the Son of Man, paying the price for all of our sins so that we would be free forever and that we would look at the empty tomb and see Jesus walk out of there for us, to be with you forever. Which is why we pray, Father, in your mighty name, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever, Amen.